Hello and welcome to another edition of Deeper where we just look at the passage from uh, the Sunday Sermon and uh, just go deeper into that passage. Uh, and I would encourage you, if you've not already seen it, to watch Sunday's service. David Burton did a great job with this passage, encouraging us to think about uh, how we spend time with God. And the passage is Exodus chapter 34, verses 19 to 25. And it'd be fantastic if you read that passage now, uh, just to remind yourself of it. So do please press pause, read Exodus 34, verse 19 to 25 and then restart the video. So it's been great to have different people uh, speaking to us and Dave did, as I said before, a fantastic job. Um, and I just wanna go through that passage a little bit more, um, just to go through it kind of section by section. And uh, just to remind you that this, this passage is uh, the second time that Moses has come down with the commandments. If you know the story, uh, he'd gone up onto Mount Sinai, he'd met with God, and God had given him the commandments. He came down with them on uh, tablets of stone. And uh, when he came down, he found that the people of Israel got tired waiting for him. And uh, led by Aaron, they had made a gold, golden calf to worship. And uh, Moses uh, throws down the stones, smashes them, uh, and God, as an act of punishment, brings a plague upon the people of Israel at that point. So Moses goes back up the mountain to meet with God yet again. And uh, what we see here is what happens as he comes down. And um, it's, I just want to kind of point out there that uh, these two uh, tablets uh, would have probably contained um, the Ten Commandments at the very least, uh, perhaps not more than that. I think the other commandments came as Moses continued to meet with God. And that there are obviously a lot of commandments in uh, the first um, five books of uh, the Old Testament, particularly Numbers, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And uh, they are all kind of fleshed out in different ways in those books. And so uh, Moses comes down, he's carrying the commandments and that says he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. He had spoken with God over a period of 40 days. During that time, he'd fasted. Uh, and as he comes down, his, his whole countenance had changed. He radiated with the glory of God. It's incredible, isn't it? But he didn't know. He didn't know that. And um, it's only as people reacted to him that he becomes aware that something about him has changed. And uh, so how that looked, we don't know. Uh, but what it does say is uh, the, the Hebrew word for shon also kind of comes from the root word for horn. And there's a lot of medieval art showing Moses with horns uh, because that's how at least one version, uh, one translation uh, occurred at that time and said that he came down with horns. But this idea of something kind of protruding from Moses is what's key. And it, and I think the word shon is a much better, I think horns is going too far, isn't it? Shon is a, a much better interpretation of the Hebrew word. And so something kind of exudes from Moses that says he'd met with God. Something changed. And of course, we, we see that with Jesus, don't we, with the transfiguration. But we also see it 
with Stephen. And we see right the, uh, the, near the beginning of the book of Acts. And the interesting thing is for both Stephen and Moses, the scriptures say that they were both men of humility. In Numbers 12, verse 3, um, it says that uh, Moses was a man of great humility. In fact, it says he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. It sounds like something Trump would say, doesn't it? Uh, but he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And Stephen was also known for his humility. And I think that's key for us in thinking about how we relate to God. And neither of them knew that because they had met with God that something about them had changed. And humility seems to be a key part of that. Of course, as then as Moses comes down from the mountain uh, and people see him coming down yet again uh, and his face is now radiant with the glory of God, they are afraid. And of course they're afraid. In, in all the way through this story so far, we've seen how uh, at different points, um, the people of Israel acted wrongly and God has been uh, justifiably angry. And then there's other things like, as they approach Mount Sinai, they are told not to touch the mountain lest they die. And then as they see Moses go up the mountain, the mountain is filled with thunder and lightning and smoke. It must have been an awe-inspiring view to, to look at that. Uh, and then as he comes down and they've built the golden calf, uh, God judges them with a plague. So they are justifiably afraid as Moses comes down with his face shining brightly. And that idea of God's glory and power seems to be connected, don't they? But when God displays his glory, there's something there about his incredible power. And then in verse 32, sorry, verse 31, uh, Moses calls them. We don't know what he says to them. All we know is that they start, at least uh, Aaron and the other leaders, they come near to him. And he speaks with them. We don't, again, we don't know what he says, but probably he's, he's telling them something of his experience on the mountain, uh, maybe giving a summary of the commandments. Uh, and then all the other people, they come near. I think it's fascinating that Aaron's still involved here because although we see here God's anger and judgment, Aaron led the people in uh, building the the golden calf. He led them in rebellion against God. And yet here he is still classed as among the leadership of the people of Israel. You know, we look at some of these stories and we see the anger and the judgments of God, but we, if we look deep enough, we also see his grace. So despite the fact that Aaron led effectively a rebellion against God, God does not remove him, remove him from his position. And then verses 33 to 35, we see something more about how uh, Moses manages having this glory shine out from him. And it says that he would wear a veil. Uh, we don't know what that veil looked like. It's uh, probably simply a covering over his whole face. But he only wore it when in kind of normal life. When he was meeting with God, he took that veil off. And when he was speaking on behalf of God to the people, he took that veil off. The rest of the time, he wore it. And uh, the, there's a lot there that we could draw out, isn't it? But I think, yeah, one of the important things is that 
what we see in this passage is that Moses meeting with God was a regular occurrence. That he would both meet with God and then share what God had spoken to him. The people there, they, they did not want to meet with God. They were so fearful that they couldn't even come near to Moses, never mind near to God. So Moses would go on their behalf, meet with God, hear what he had to say, and then go out and share it again with the people. And it was at those times that he took the veil off. And that idea of both meeting with God and then sharing is something I want to pick up on in a moment. So it's a very simple passage, a very um, easy passage to kind of dissect, but it's a very profound passage. A passage that speaks to us of all the things that uh, we can experience as well. Because I just want to draw your attention to uh, a passage in 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 7 onwards, that talks about, uh, Paul there talks about how uh, Moses experienced this, but we too can also experience something of the glory of God. In fact, Paul says that we have the Holy Spirit, so we have an even greater ability to, to meet with God and to display the glory of God in our lives. Because Moses was part of a covenant that was fading, and we are part of the new covenant that is for all time. And so God's glory in us now is even far more powerful than it was in Moses. But why don't people see that? That's a question I want us to reflect on a bit later on. But first, let's just think about some of the implications of this passage as we go a little bit wider. So what do we get out of this passage? I think a number of things. First of all, let's talk about the obvious thing. Meeting with God should change us. I don't know about you, but uh, I can't. I can't tell you how many times I spent in prayer and just walked away thinking, well, nothing happened. That was just pointless. Uh, I don't feel any different. I feel like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. I didn't feel connected to God. And I didn't feel any different. Of course, we don't pray to feel different, but we pray to kind of connect with God, don't we? And sometimes that just doesn't feel like it's happened. And Moses, he wasn't aware that he had changed. And I wonder how many times when we have met with God and sometimes walked away thinking what that was about and yet God has still changed us. You see, I believe that we can, we can not fail to change every time we pray, every time we come and just spend time with God. Even if it feels like it was pointless, even if it feels like God was far away, just that simple time connecting with God in some, sometimes the most simplest and vaguest of ways. It changes us. You cannot meet with God and leave unchanged. That is That for me is a, a profoundly powerful discipleship process that as we meet with God, we are changed. We become more and more like him. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it afterwards. When you've had your quiet time, whether that's in the morning or in the evening or any other time of the day, whether it's a five-minute time or a two-hour uh, time. It doesn't matter how you feel afterwards. The fact is that you have been changed in some way, maybe just a microscopic way. Maybe God's just smoothed off a rough edge. Maybe God's just imparted a little bit more hope. 
Maybe God has just imparted some more truth in your life. That's only a little bit, but it's enough to make a change. Whenever you meet with God, you are changed. The second thing that I get out of this is, is that Moses always shared what God said to him. And I wonder when you meet with God, first of all, are you are you spending enough time just listening to God? Or are you simply recounting a whole litany of people that you want to pray for? Are you spending time listening to God? Because that's clearly what Moses did when he went up the mountain, when he went into the tent of meeting, whenever he met with God, he was there to listen. And we need to be the same. And I would encourage you whenever you pray to simply be quiet, to just focus on God, to open up your heart and your mind, your imagination as well, and allow God to speak into you. Maybe he'll just kind of drop in a verse of scripture. Maybe it'll be an impression upon your heart. Maybe it'll be a picture in your mind. It might be words that seem to formulate in your mind. It could be a whole range of things, but spend time just listening to God. And something of what you've heard would simply be for you personally. But I wouldn't be surprised if perhaps even the majority of what you've heard is actually to be shared as an encouragement to others. And we are to be an encouragement to other people, aren't we? And we can only do that by sharing what we feel God has said to us. Are you sharing what God has spoken? There's something powerful in the sharing that seems to embed it deeper in our lives. I've experienced that myself, that when I felt God speak to me and I've shared it, it seems to have embedded itself into my life a little bit more, into my heart and into my soul. So I'd encourage you to share it, not simply for the benefits of others, but for your benefit. The third thing I get from this is that it is possible to hide the glory of God. And that worries me a little bit. Because if when we meet with God, we are changed, I wonder whether people really see what that we've actually spent time with God. Or are we in some way masking it away from others? Moses simply used a piece of cloth and that was enough to hide the glory of God. I wonder what we do to hide the glory of God? Do we simply try to uh, suppress what we've experienced of God in our lives? Do we try to hide our faith from other people? Are we in some way trying to project ourselves rather than Jesus? There are a whole range of ways in which we can hide the glory of God. Just the simple fact of trying to say to people, look how strong I am is one way in which we hide the glory of God because God's power is made perfect in weakness and we know that God's power and his glory are connected. I've discovered that the more vulnerable I am about myself and who I am and and the weaknesses I have, the more that God seems to shine out from me. It's about being real, isn't it? It's about being truthful. See, God isn't looking for perfect vessels to contain his glory. He's looking for broken vessels when his glory can shine out through the brokenness. Are you hiding his glory? 
It's easy to do. It is so easy to do. If Moses could simply do it with a piece of cloth, how could you do it with the way that you live your life? And then, of course, there's just that that passage from uh, 2 Corinthians that reminds us that this is not simply a thing for Moses. We see it with Stephen and Paul talks about how we can have an even more glorious ministry because of the work of the Spirit in us. And that God's glory can shine even brighter through us than it ever did through Moses. There is so much that we can draw from this passage and I would encourage you to reflect deeper on it. But first of all, let me give you some questions to reflect on either on your own or in your missional communities as we go a little bit further. So I have uh, four questions for you today. Uh, and uh, the first one is this, and it is a very simple question that comes out of this passage. Uh, how are you doing with time spent with God right now? Simple question, isn't it? And most of us have more time than ever before to spend time with God. And a kind of connected question, uh, what is good about that time and what can be improved? So either reflect on your own or talk about it with others. Let's be open and honest about where we are with this. The second question is this. Uh, are you giving specific time to hearing from God? And are you sharing what you've heard? That's just picking up on what Moses did time and time again. He met with God and shared with, with the, the people what he'd heard. But are you, are you spending time listening? Uh, the third question is this, uh, how can people tell that you've spent time with God? When I put that question down, my heart sank because I'm not sure how people see that in me. But how can people tell? Is there something about us that has changed? Are we obvious about that? Are we trying to hide that? And that's the fourth question. Are there ways in which you are hiding the glory of God in your life? And why are you doing that? actually four difficult questions really aren't they but i would encourage you to spend time just uh, reflecting on them and talking about them because if we are to grow in this area it needs us to be honest and real with others who will hold us accountable who will encourage us to go further who might see in us what we don't see in ourselves so spend time reflecting on those questions so do please join us on sunday it would be great to have you with us as we worship together and of course Come back next Tuesday when there'll be another edition of Deeper and we will be reflecting further on the wilderness wanderings of the people of Israel. So until then, stay safe and goodbye.